Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, whatever time of day it is when you may tune in. This is Minister Kay Mortimer with Covenant Truth Ministries. Welcome to you today, and thank you for joining me. Today I'd like to speak a bit on a passage from 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. I've mentioned a few different topics that we've covered in recent episodes from 1 Thessalonians. And so today I'd like to pick up again and speak beginning in verse 13 of 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and continuing through the end of the chapter and focus on a few of these points. So to do that, let me read this portion to you to begin. For this reason, we also thank God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you welcomed it, not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which also effectively works in you who believe. For you, brethren, became imitators of the churches of God, which are in Judea in Christ Jesus. For you also suffered the same things from your own countrymen, just as they did from the Judeans, who killed both the Lord Jesus and their own prophets, and have persecuted us. And they do not please God and are contrary to all men, forbidding us to speak to the Gentiles that they may be saved, so as always to fill up the measure of their sins. But wrath has come upon them to the uttermost. But we, brethren, having been taken away from you for a short time in presence, not in heart, endeavored more eagerly to see your face with great desire. Therefore, we wanted to come to you. Even I, Paul, time and again, but Satan hindered us. For what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Is it not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? For you are our glory and joy. Praise be to God. So here, Paul continues writing to the Thessalonian church, and he has just told them, and we discussed in the last episode that we drew from 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, about the effectiveness of the word of God. It works. It's continually working in all who believe. Just like a seed of a tree that's planted in good soil begins to work the moment that it's planted. And it continues to work to develop that tree and to bring it to complete maturity and to the point where it can then reproduce itself all over again and bear fruit. So the word of God is like that. And Jesus called it a seed in Matthew chapter 23. We saw that. We talked a little bit about that in that last episode drawn from 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. So today, let's look at the rest of this section. After the word of God was received by them and welcomed by them, it began to work in them because they had given it space in their heart and they had given a place for it. So now, as it's working in them, these Christians became imitators of the churches of God in Jerusalem and Judea, even to the point of facing persecution and being willing to suffer for Christ, as also their brethren in Judea and Jerusalem were also doing. 
So the gospel was spreading, but persecution was also spreading as well. And yet these people, because the word of God was working in them and they had gotten a hold of something real, they had become imitators of these churches, even in the face of severe persecution and possibly death. So Paul begins to tell them also that even though he's absent from them physically in his body, yet he is not absent in his heart. He is still longing for them. He wants to see them. He wants to fellowship with them. He is expressing his longing heart for them here. And verse 19 of what we just read in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 tells us why. This is what we want to focus on is verse 19 and verse 20. He says, For what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Is it not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? For you are our glory and joy. Paul is considering them his hope, his joy, his crown of rejoicing, his glory and joy. He is telling them that what I love the most, what I care the most about are the people that I have invested in, the people that love the Lord, the people who have received Jesus. And I want to continue to see you grow in the Lord. I want to continue to invest in you. I want to spend time with you. I want to be able to impart even more to you because I want to see you grow in Jesus. I want to see you mature at Jesus coming and being effective and productive and pleasing the Lord on that day. Paul is looking ahead with great joy. He's thinking of the great joy and blessing that we will all face and enjoy together at the Bema Seat Judgment of Jesus Christ. Paul spoke about it in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. He spoke about the judgment seat of Christ. And many people have misunderstandings about that. I've done a series called Beaming at the Bema. And I did it's several lessons and I did go into depth about the Bema Seat Judgment Seat of Christ so there's a good bit of information there that you can glean from the scriptures. You can go through that series if you haven't already, and it will teach you about this Bema Seat Judgment of Jesus Christ. But it is going to be an awards day. It's going to be a day of great joy and blessing. And Paul is thinking about that here, and he's remembering them. He wants to see them enjoying that day. He wants to see them mature. He wants to see them able to be rewarded and commended by the Lord on that day. And that's his goal, not just for the Thessalonian church, but for every single church and Christian and community of people that he's invested in. He wants to see them mature and strong. He wants to see them worthy of commendation on that day. He wants to see them able to hear Jesus say to them, well done, good and faithful servant. That's his whole goal. His whole goal is their maturity. He says this in Colossians, in his letter to the Colossian church. He says this in Colossians chapter 1, verse 27 through 29. 
To them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. To this end, I also labor, striving according to his working, which works in me mightily. In other words, Paul is saying we're preaching Jesus and we're warning and teaching everybody we can because we want to see every person mature in Christ Jesus that is coming. We're laboring intensely. We're working with the Lord and for the Lord to see you become mature and strong. We're investing everything we can in you. Paul's whole goal all through his ministry and all through all of his workings with the churches and in the New Testament with the apostles and with the Christians there was he was set on making disciples. He was set on doing what Jesus taught him to do what Jesus commissioned him to do, what Jesus commissioned every one of us to do, the Great Commission, preach the gospel and make disciples. See, that's the key, making disciples. It's like having a baby. You don't just have a brand new baby and then just toss it to the side and forget about it. It will die. It's got to have food. It's got to have care. It's got to have nourishment so that it can grow to maturity, so that it can grow to adulthood. And so Paul's whole goal was the making of disciples. He wanted people not only to receive Jesus, but when you receive Jesus, that's just the beginning. That's like being born. You are born. You're born again, Jesus said. So you're born as a newborn baby. But there's a lot more to life than being a brand new baby that that has to just suck on milk and have care constantly. Oh, hallelujah. There's things to learn. There's things to explore. There's things to enjoy in life that babies cannot enjoy. But as they grow, as they're cared for, as they're fed, they can grow to maturity. They can grow to adulthood and then be able to enjoy those things and enjoy life, enjoy fishing and boating and and baseball and whatever else. They want to enjoy work and, and jobs and careers that please them, that are that they're built to do, that they're enjoying doing. That's God's desire. But we have to grow to that point. So Paul's whole goal was the making of disciples. Covenant Truth Ministry is devoted to this as well. And I am diligently trying to work on a new project I don't know when I'll be able to release it, but I'm working on trying to get this ready for launch. But we are planning and trying to do a discipleship program that will cover and it will have something for everyone in it and cover all kinds of levels, no matter where you are in your Christian walk. And so look for that to come. It's called Oaks of Righteousness, and I hope to be releasing it soon. We're in the planning and beginning stages of putting that project together. But I want to see you become disciples of Jesus. Hallelujah. That's the end game. That's the whole goal. We want to see you mature. I want to rejoice with you, beloved friend, 
at the Bema Seat Judgment of Christ. I want to rejoice with you. I want to enjoy and, and be one of the cheering crowd that's back there going, yay, for what you accomplished for Jesus, for how he commended you because you were a good and faithful servant. You did faithfully what he called you to do. And I want to be one of those in the cheering squad rejoicing with you. That's our goal. That's Paul's goal. Maturity in that day when we stand before the Lord. Notice lastly the process that Paul speaks of here in this passage that I read a little bit ago and how they followed it. It began with receiving the word of God into good soil. We talked about that in that lesson when we looked at Matthew chapter 23. We spoke about the four different types of soils that that the word of God falls toward and into. And we spoke about the good soil. That's the goal. That good soil gave it space, gave it care, gave it cultivation, gave it acceptance willingly as the truth, as the word of the living God himself. And this allowed for that word then to start to work in them, to take root and grow and develop in them. It came alive inside of them, just like that seed will germinate inside good soil. And it began to guide them and teach them and lead them. It began to sanctify them, setting them apart. New things came. Old was gone. That's the work of sanctification, and it's a process. And it's done by the Holy Spirit and by our cooperation with the Holy Spirit. But it's a process of helping us to learn to be dead completely to all the old. Paul wrote in Corinthians, he said, if you're in Christ, you are a brand new creation. The old things are gone. New things have come. All has become new. And so it's this word, when it's received like that, it becomes alive, it begins its work, and it effectively works in us now. Our part is simply cooperation, cooperation with the Holy Spirit, cooperation with what we read in the Word of God, just like Paul commended them because they became imitators, even in the face of threats and persecution and death. And Paul spoke about how he was seeing them and longed to see them so that he would know their growth in the Lord, that they were growing in the Lord and heading for maturity. And it thrilled Paul's heart and fed his longing for them. Do you see, beloved friend, the goal is discipleship. Salvation is only the beginning. Discipleship simply means becoming a follower of Jesus. Every time Jesus called his disciples, he said to them, follow me. In other words, learn from me. I'm your role model. You live as I live, you speak as I speak, you do what I do, you follow me. And that's just the beginning, as the planting of a seed is just the beginning. That's just the birthing of it when we are born again. But the growth and maturity is the goal, becoming true followers of Jesus. Those who live like he lives, those who do what he does, True disciples of the Lord who obey him, who live for him, who show him to the world 
in truth and integrity and reveal to the world his truth, his mighty works of deliverance and show his power and his ability to transform a sinner's life and to make them brand new. That's the power of the gospel. That is the power of the gospel. Behold, all things have become new and the old things have passed away. God has the power to do that and it's done when a person, a true sinner, repents of their sins and, and their sins are washed away by the blood of Jesus Christ and their name is written in the Lamb's book of life. They're brand new. They're brand new like a newborn baby. And we get then to begin to show and to live out to the world how Jesus saves and transforms a life. Those who please him and those who are reproducing in the sense of making other disciples through their own life and influence. That's Paul's goal. He wants to see every Christian grow to maturity to where they are producing fruit that then can make brand new trees, that then can make brand new disciples. The making of disciples is the end goal. Praise be to God. And Paul knew that the way that is done and the key to it is found in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 through 21. And I want to close with this. In Matthew 6, verse 19 through 21, it says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Paul's treasure was to see them in heaven, standing before the Lord, being at the Bema seat in blessing and in joy. They were his crown and his rejoicing. He wanted to see them because he was investing all of the time he could, all of the words he could, all of the work he could, all of the good things that he could do. He's investing in Christians. He's investing in people so that they become mature, so that they then are able to stand before the Lord, mature and ready and perfect in him. Invest your treasures the way Paul did. Paul had the eternal purpose in mind at all times. He had the eternal value of everything in mind that he would weigh out what he was spending his time on. Was it of eternal value or not? Was it investing treasures in heaven? The way that we invest treasures in heaven is twofold. There's only two things that will stand forever and be in heaven that are here on earth. Only two. It's not money. It's not gold, silver, riches, dollar bills, or anything else from this life. It's not fame and fortune. It's not popularity. The two things that will be in heaven that are also a part of this earth are the word of God and the souls of people. It's people that we need to be investing in. The word of God and people and getting the word of God into people through our influence, through our teaching, through our ministry. That's what matters. 
And I, beloved friend, I encourage you, invest treasures in heaven. Have the same heart that Paul had. Invest your time, talents, and treasures in the things that will produce eternal fruit as Paul did. Because eternal deposits will bring eternal rewards. Eternal deposits will bring eternal rewards. Invest in people. Invest in the Word of God. And invest the Word of God into people. Because every eternal deposit that you give will bring eternal rewards. Hallelujah. Praise be to God. I pray that this is your heart as well. And that you will work with me and with all others who've gone before us and all others who are working with us in this kingdom work to invest our treasures in heaven because eternal deposits will bring eternal rewards. All for the glory of our living God. All for the glory of the Son of the living God who died for us, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, who's worthy of all of the praise. I pray this has been a blessing to you. And Lord willing, you can join us again for future episodes brought to you by Covenant Truth Ministries. God bless you today. In Jesus' name, amen.